for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back with another amazing podcast. It is day 20. Not, ooh, I've completely lost track of time. It is day five of the 25 days here. Um, and today we have a very special guest. We have Kendra Chantel. How's it going today, Kendra? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Just trying to get back out and make life as normal as possible amidst or um, during this COVID pandemic. You know, I. There's just some stuff that can't wait. So it's like, we, we got to get back out there and start doing some stuff. So, um, but, you know, it, life in 2020, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all about um, how do you adjust? <laughs> yep, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, first off, I want to thank you so much for giving us the time to sit down and chat. I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about you, um, learn a little bit more about your family, you because know, I know you come from a musical family and then... I also want to touch on your American Idol experience and how that kind of helped uh, morph your career a little bit. And then we'll talk about your new album. You know, so you've got a lot going on. It's so funny because it's like, there's a lot of musicians you wouldn't realize we were in the middle of a pandemic and there was no shows happening because there's so many musicians that are just constantly releasing music right now. And maybe that's just a side side effect of being in quarantine where you've got to release more music, you know? So, um, so for the people that don't know who you are or aren't really familiar with you, uh, can you kind of give us a background on what got you into music? Yeah. So, um, like you mentioned, I come from a very musical family. Uh, my mom is an amazing singer. My dad's a drummer. My sister is one of those people that can pick up any instrument and very quickly have it figured out and sounding great, but she doesn't have a huge interest in music. So she actually is um, a hair and makeup stylist here in Nashville. But I just grew up in a family where like, I learned how to sing when I was really little because my mom wanted a harmony on a song and that made sense. And um, we always just sang together and created together. And that was just the norm. Um, So I never really lived in a world without music. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a career. Obviously, as a kid, I just always wanted to sing. Um, You know, when people were over for dinner or anything, I was like, why don't you all listen to me sing? Um, Whether they wanted to or not. (laughs) And around the age of 13, I started to really understand, like, this is something that I very much care about. This is what I want to do for work. Like, I'm really serious about this. And my parents were adamant that if I was going to pursue music, I had to start studying with a vocal coach Um, because my mom had experienced some vocal trouble um, in her height of, you know, gigging in clubs and stuff back in the day. She had a vocal injury and she ended up being on vocal rest for a couple of years and it was super traumatic. And she got linked up with a vocal coach that just totally fixed all of the deal of the problems she was dealing with. And so they were like, 
big fans of vocal health. And so around the age of 13, my parents started bringing me to Nashville for voice lessons, um, originally from a small town outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. So that was about a three hour drive for us. Um, and in the process of taking lessons here in Nashville, I also started doing a little bit of session work and just kind of like meeting my community. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually moved here when I was 19 and I already kind of knew some people and had a bit of like established, um, you know, people that I knew and places that I could work. So, you know, I, I moved here and just started really grinding at the solo artist thing. I started writing with a lot of people and playing shows. And, um, you know, throughout that journey, I, I did a stint on American Idol in season 10. That was amazing. Um, following that, I released an album and then actually started doing a lot of background vocal work, which was something that I didn't know that I would love so much, but it's been a really fun part of my career. And if you fast forward to this moment, I just released an album in a pandemic. <laughs> nice, awesome. Um, so let's go ahead and let's jump into uh, the American Idol experience. I call it the American Idol experience because I worked at Hollywood Studios and that was the name of the, the thing that they did there was the American Idol experience. So, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, so you were on season 10 and you made it to the semifinals, correct? Correct. I also, I just have to say, I think experience is the perfect word for it because it is just an experience. Yeah. Um, it was really fun. It was one of those things where they came to Nashville and I was like, I mean, why not? You know, okay. um, I didn't have like, this huge dream of like, I'm gonna win American Idol this year. It was more of just like a why not kind of moment for me. Um, and I'm really glad that I did it because I made some lifelong friends. Um, I had some really cool experiences along the way. That year we got to perform in Vegas um, on the Beatles Cirque du Soleil stage. That was really cool. And Steven Tyler was one of the judges on my season and I have always been a fan of his. Um, so like getting to interact with him and getting to sing for him, that's still one of the coolest things that's ever happened in my life. And when I got sent home, um, I actually got the opportunity to do an Idols live tour with Armed Forces Entertainment mm -hmm. um, to about 10 different countries and performed for U.S. troops. And so that was just really fun. I, I don't personally have anyone in my family that's not like a couple generations removed that has served in the armed forces of any kind. Yeah. So that was a huge like perspective changer for me and just eye opener. I was meeting, you know, women that were my age. I was 22 at the time and they were like, you know, brand new moms, but on a year assignment in the middle of Egypt, you know, and yeah. didn't know their family again. And I was just like, man, these people make real sacrifices. Yep. Um, so that was really good. Just, I felt like, for me to understand what it means when somebody serves and also to see the world and, and to perform in so many different places. It was, it was an amazing experience. Like you say, experience. Um, and because of that, I got a really loyal fan base. Um, there are people that loved me on that show that still follow me on Twitter and Instagram and want to know what I'm up to. Even when I take like long periods of time without really creating music they're just hanging out and they're like we're here whenever you put something out and I'm like that is so cool <laughs> nice. nice 
that's yeah it, like i mean and i can only imagine because i've i'm not like the biggest american idol fan like i i don't know every winner of every season you know like i could maybe name two winners if i if i thought about it for a second but you know i i the one thing that i do think those shows really help with is outside of developing skill and talent because you are working with industry professionals that have been doing it for a year you know just and their our knowledge is so valuable like you know um is you because of how they present the con or the contestants fans have an opportunity to kind of connect with you on a more emotional level because they, they they give you the background story they give you the back history they give you you know they give you all that stuff so it's um really interesting to or it's really nice to hear that the fans that you gained off of american idol are still following you today because they were so emotionally invested in your story and they want to hear what you have to say yeah, it's been cool. And it's it's funny you mentioned, you're like, I, you know, maybe could name two winners. That was something that I learned after being on that show is like, there are two types of people in the world. There are people like you and I that are like, I'm familiar with American Idol. I'm not obsessed with it. Like I know who Kelly Clarkson is, you know. And then there are the people that like, you're on a flight five years later in the middle of Montana or something. And they're like, oh my gosh, I saw you sing this song on this day and I know what you were wearing and like, I'm obsessed with that show and I can't, I'm seeing you right now. And it's like, wow, like there are people that are so invested in that show. It's really crazy and amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was one of the uh, big things that you learned going through the entire American Idol experience? Um, it could be musically you know like just yeah there were a lot of different lessons in that um I think for me I've learned a lot about myself that I am way more of an artist than just a vocalist mm -hmm. um that show and that platform is very much highlighting voices singing other people's songs mm -hmm. um and that didn't really fit me I felt like it was really hard for me to find songs that represented where I'm at, what I like with my voice. And I think that's because I always write my own songs. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not really a place for that on that show. That's not what they're doing. It's not what they're marketing. Um, it's just not their vision. But for me, that was a huge takeaway of like, I think it's good that I didn't have to go all the way and you know win with someone else's songs and um, be like tied into a vision that's not necessarily mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and another big takeaway, I think, was, you know, I spent my whole life dreaming about being on huge stages. And when you move to Nashville and you first are starting out, you play a lot of clubs, a lot of small rooms, and it's really nerve wracking. And it's also just not what you envisioned. You know, it's like yeah. playing to a room of 20 people is a different kind of nervous because um, there's just there's a lot of space. It's yeah. not what you spent your time visualizing. And the time that I got sent home on American Idol actually was one of my favorite days ever because I performed on this huge stage, this massive production. I had like background singers and a band and there were lights and cameras and 25 million people were watching. And most of the people on that show with me were falling apart and like shaking in their boots. 
Yeah. And I was like, I have never felt more at home than this moment. Like this is what I visualized. This is what I wanted. So for me, that was like a really nice confirming moment of like, I really do love this. I think I've been nervous because it hasn't felt like what I thought it was going to, but that was just beautiful confirmation of like, oh, I, I love this. <laughs> so, so it's fair to say that you thrive under the spotlight. When the spotlight's on, it's game time. Totally. And yeah. it's just, it's funny, you know, we're all different and I, I would very much identify as an introvert. Mm -hmm. If you put me in a room full of people and tell me to network, I'm totally the wallflower that's like, yeah. mm, wait till someone comes over and says hi to me. Um, I love one-on-one -on -one interactions, but I'm not comfortable in like a very social setting. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of alone time. I'm a very quiet person if I'm not singing, but when it's game time, I'm like, I want the full production. Like that's yeah. the moment I want to be like out in the open. Um, yeah. It's funny that I'm so comfortable there, but like cannot work a room at a party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's not really that uncommon though. Cause it's like, I, I, I've definitely talked to a lot of people where you put them in a smaller setting, whether it's a party or um, like even some smaller gigs, they fall apart, you know, just cause it's like, they can actually see and interact with the people that are watching them. And maybe it's something like that, that, you know, scares them. But once you get to a point where, there's so many people out there. You can't tell one person from another. It just kind of all disappears. And like, I've never been in that situation, so I don't know, but just kind of like looking back and thinking about it, you know, that's really how I would determine it, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's a lot scarier to sing for five people than it is for like 5 million. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, um, so after the American Idol experience, you went on the road with the uh, doing the. It wasn't USO, but it was something similar to the USO. Called, um, Armed Forces Entertainment. Yeah, super simple. Okay, so you went on the road with Armed Forces Entertainment, and how long were you on the road with them? Um, we did a like two week run in April of that year, where we went to Australia. Okay. And went on a three-week run I think from parts of June to July and we went to Turkey, Egypt, Greece, um, Portugal, Germany, uh, unforgetting places, Italy um, but it was amazing. And so this was all in what 2008, 2009 something? In that uh, no it was actually 2012. Okay. Um, 2011 was the season of Idol, and then that following okay. spring, they began those tours. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, and then from there, from there, where did you, you ended up coming back to Nashville and started pursuing music full time, or what happened after the um, Armed Forces Entertainment tour? So I feel like just a combination of like the emotional journey of American Idol and kind of feeling like, man, I don't really know exactly what I want to do in my career at this moment. Um, I was ready for a change, but I didn't know what that meant. And I wasn't not wanting to be in music, but I did not feel like doing what I had done before American Idol, which was just like 
playing tons of shows and like really trying to get my own music out there, I was like, I am burned out on this. Um, so right on time in that moment, a really great friend of mine called and was like, hey, I tour with Tom Kiefer from Cinderella and they're looking for a background vocalist. I don't know if that's something you'd be interested in or not. And I was like, actually, that's exactly what I want to do right now. Yeah. Um, didn't have that idea, but I thought, well, how fun. I get to go perform, I get to go travel, but I don't have to like be in charge. I don't have to be the person that everything like comes back to right now. Like I get to go just do the fun parts. Yeah, you um, can, uh, you get to go do what you want to do, but you're not having to worry about, are we going to make it to the next venue on time? Right. Or like, are we getting paid enough to make this whole run make sense? And like yeah. that. Um, so I started touring with Kiefer Band, um, singing background vocals, playing percussion, and that's something that I still do. Um, obviously, this year, all of our shows got postponed. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when we'll get to go back out. That stuff's all still being figured out. But um, I just, I love being part of that band. It's been a really amazing journey for me. They are all like family now. And I even got to write one of the songs that was on our most recent album that we put out last September called, uh, the album's called Rise. The song is called Touching the Divine. Um, so it's been a, a great, a great career move for me. Um, and, you know, somewhere along the last couple of years, I started really noticing that I was writing a lot of solo music again and ready to dive back into that world. Um, but in a more, I think, sure of my sound kind of way. I think that's what was burning me out before was like, I just never really knew what my sound was. And I was always trying else's version of that. Um, and I think stepping away and focusing on being a background vocalist gave me just the much needed space to go like, well, who am I musically? You know, like, what do I want to say? And without like any timelines and like shows I had to do and, any requirements from my solo career, I was able to finally just like give it enough space to where it showed up organically. Absolutely, absolutely. So you brought up the pandemic. It's one of those things that I don't like to bring up just because everybody knows what it is and what's going yeah. on. But in the music business, it's inevitable. It's gonna get brought up. So uh, during the pandemic, you released a full length album, uh, Carousel. Mm -hmm. Did you, had you started working on this before the pandemic hit or um, was this strictly something, well, crap, I can't go out and tour. Let's start working on some music. Like what was kind of the thought process and uh, coming up with Carousel? Yeah. So I actually wrote and recorded the album last year. I went okay. in and tracking, I think in June of 2019. Um, finished, had everything like mixed, mastered, ready to go by like late fall last year. And the goal was to put it out in spring of this year. Mm -hmm. And I love the album. I, I'm in love with the songs. Like there's nothing about it that doesn't resonate for me, but we were aiming for like a mid-March release. Mm -hmm. And leading up to that, I just kept getting this overwhelming, bad feeling like this is not time to put this out and I was so confused because I was like I mean I believe in this I think it represents me really well like I'm not scared what is the holdup like 
am I getting in my own way? Like I had to really check in with myself and there was just this strong intuitive pull that was like, this is not the time. And so I had to honor that. Um, I kind of felt like a crazy person, you know, everyone that I collaborated with is like ready for this to come out with. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it just doesn't feel right. And they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, Sometimes sure you just got to trust your gut. You just have to yeah, trust your gut. And I'm sure they all thought I was crazy, but you know, mid-March was when the first um, real like coronavirus um, shutdown happened. Yep. And I just feel so thankful that I had that intuition because I watched friends that had things coming out around that time that it just got completely thwarted. And, you know, in that moment, before we all adjusted to how this year has panned out, I would have had a big release show planned. I would have had a lot of pieces in motion that would have been canceled and just lost and you know, money that you don't get back. And yep. so I'm very thankful that I had that strong feeling because it really, it really helped me. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of people still think it's probably kind of weird that I went ahead and put an album out during this strange year, but I just kind of spent some time in the last few months and I started listening to the songs again and I realized I was like, you know, none of this was happening when I wrote these songs, but a lot of these messages are very aligned with what's going on in this moment. And I felt like, wow, I think I have to put this out right now because I think this is what we need. Um, so I, I decided on um, putting it out November 20th and I think it's the perfect moment for it. I'm really glad that I did. I'm glad that I waited. Um, but it feels like the moment for it to exist now. So I'm glad that it's out in the world and somewhere other than my brain and my car. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it, it was originally supposed to come out in March and it came out November 20th. It's been out for about two weeks now. What's yeah. going through your mind as, as it's been out for two weeks? I've really just had nothing but gratitude. Um, it's been fun to see which songs resonate the most with people. Um, there's a song called Shapes on the album that was the very last one that I wrote. Um, it wasn't supposed to be on the album. I remember on tracking day, everyone was done. And I was like, y'all, can you please try one more song? Because I wrote this like not that long ago and I think it's really good. I know it wasn't part of the plan, but like, do you have one more song in you? And they were all kind of like, and we're done, you know? And I played the work tape and um, one of the musicians who was going through a divorce at the time heard it and he was like, okay, well, I think this is an amazing song and I think we have to play it. And I was like, thank you. Um, so it ended up going on the project and it's been the song that most people have reached out to me about. Um, a lot of people are going like, oh my gosh, shapes, like, made me cry or like, I really love that message. And so it's been really cool to hear that people are getting something from it emotionally and that people are enjoying it. Um, I think we've reached a point where like for the first bit of this crazy year, we were all kind of glued to the news and just going like, what is happening? Yep. It feels like we've all kind of accepted the crazy and we're not so much like obsessively watching the news now. And we're like, I would listen to some new music. Yeah, that, that would my mind off of life <laughs> so yeah, absolutely, absolutely you know it's and especially in nashville nashville in general's had a crazy year um you know like yeah. 
we were out there in January and like just everything seemed good. And then what was it in the mid end of February, the tornado hit. Then that was March 3rd. So we had a tornado March 3rd and March 15th was when everything got shut down here. Um, so it's been a traumatic year in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. And I like, I'm, from a few people that I've talked to that are in Nashville say that some shows are starting to pick back up like some smaller outside venues. So that's always reassuring, but it, it's probably going to be a while before the full tourism industry really kicks back into gear that um, Nashville is accustomed to. So hopefully things, things start to work out for or work out in Nashville as far as like tourism. And cause I know, yeah. I know Nashville really thrives and uh, counts on its tourism dollars. So yeah, that's a huge, huge part of our in you know economy here, and um, I'm hopeful that we can you know make it um, without a ton of businesses having to leave or anything like that. But it's been a crazy year. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Uh, so during the pen or when there isn't a pandemic, how often are you usually out doing shows? Um, it really varies. There have been years with um, the Kiefer band where we, you know, do almost 100 shows a year. I would say our average in the last couple of years is more like 50 shows a year, which is a really comfy um, tour schedule. It's like just enough to be consistently busy, but it leaves a lot of space for me to focus on the other areas of my career as well. Um, so yeah, it's like substantially busy enough. Yeah, absolutely. And so now that you've got the album out and you'll be able to, or once shows open back up, hopefully you'll be able to tour off the album and like give it some more legs. Um, did, when you were uh, looking at the album and uh, looking at pushing it back, after you had the intuition of not releasing it in March like you originally wanted to, did you had you had the idea or had you thought about or did it ever cross your mind to break the album up and start releasing either EPs or maybe just singles? Because I know there's a lot of musicians that went down that road where they like beginning of March they were looking at releasing an album and then they just broke it off and started releasing singles and whatnot. Yes. Um, and that was a lot of, um, I would say the majority of people who gave me advice about what to do mm -hmm. said like, you know, you should do one single at a time. You have 12 songs. And I did put out a single in June. Um, it's called Beautiful and Tragedy. It is on the album. Mm -hmm. um, and I did a really cool video. It's very like, um, very stay at home order centered. I, I reached out to like all of my friends and had them send me pictures that were used in the video. It's really cool if you get a chance to check it out. Um, and then I put, I still believe out um, October 30th and then put the full length album out. Um, I loved kind of like testing the waters with the singles and getting a little bit of momentum out there, but at the end of the day, I just feel like this album is such a collective body of work that I was like, I don't feel like I can just throw one more little song out at a time. Without the story not making, you like, it's, 
it's one of those things where you it's one of those albums where you it's almost like vinyl where you have to start from track one to track 12 13 you know whatever it is and to get the full story yeah and i know that the majority of people that are listening are not doing that they're probably just shuffling or like picking the songs they like and that's fine but i'm just like such an old school and analog kind of person anyway i still write songs on pen and paper i'm you know, I still listen to vinyl and CDs. Like, I kind of love things the way that they, they work. work. Um, yeah. And it felt like a collective body of work. And I wanted to put it out in that format. So just in case anybody else consumes music that way, <laughs> it can exist that way. So um, is Carousel out on vinyl as well? Did you press vinyl for Carousel? I haven't pressed vinyl, but I really think I may because there's been a lot of requests for it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's cool. You know, I'm like, the people that are listening to my music are probably like me in that they like things the way they were. So yeah. <laughs> I well, think it, I'll probably do a vinyl re-release. Yeah. You know, and the one thing that I like about vinyl is, like, I just like having something physically tangible. I can't get over paying for a digital download of an album. And it's like, okay, cool. I have it. And I can listen to it, whatever, but I don't have a physical, tangible thing in my hand. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. You know, and I'm a that like I loved getting, or I mean, I still do. I love getting a vinyl and or a CD and like thumbing through the little booklet and like yeah. who wrote this and like, you know, the details. It, it, it's just kind of become a lost thing, but not for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why whenever I go out to shows, if somebody's got vinyl, I'm more likely to pick up the vinyl than the CD. Just because, A, I know how expensive it probably was to press that vinyl. And yeah. B, I'd rather have the vinyl just because yeah. it's like this piece of art, like you're owning a piece of art in your hand. So, yeah. Um, so the album's out now what's kind of the uh, plans moving forward? What are you working on another album or are you just kind of working on visual elements for this? Like what's kind of the plan moving forward? Yeah. So I do feel like I'll make another album probably in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. I've just begun to get song ideas. I feel like I was not feeling creatively inspired while this unfinished album was like waiting to be released and it's like the minute that I finally let it out into the world I started to get song ideas again and I was like oh okay so we'll do this again um I wasn't sure if I wanted to do like a live stream show for the release of the album or what I wanted to do but I thought about it and decided that I thought it would be a better use of energy and time to just do little acoustic videos of each song and yep. so I'll putting those out like weekly um, over the next few weeks. I just did um, a video for I Still Believe, which is like first in line on the record. Um, and so I just kind of felt like that was um, like a more solid way to get that out there. Cause if I do a live stream that limits everybody to like, if they're available and watching and yep. if they and hear it and you yep. know. And then, like, like the whole, struggle with live streaming music is 
you got to make sure that everything sounds good and it's not if you don't have the full setup it may not sound you know like there, there's just so many things and then you've got the natural compression of the internet you know it's it's just a whole thing yeah, it seems like a lot of uncertainties and you know also how do you pick the right day and time where people are actually going to be able to tune in and so I just instead chose to have a couple of the collaborators for my album accompany me. I did like half of the songs, piano, vocal, half of them, guitar, vocal. Um, we just did simple recordings here at my house and, you know, we were able to make sure they sounded good. And, you know, I'll probably like highlight the lyrics of each song just cause that's such a huge part for me. And um, just kind of do that for the next little bit. And then hopefully, um, you know, next year we'll be able to get out into the world. And I would love to go play these songs for people in real life. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so what's, what's a Kendra Chantel live show experience? If somebody, what can they expect at a live show? Um, you can expect, I will say, I always have just the most tremendous players. Um, I can't take credit for that. It's because I live in Nashville where people are fantastic. And I also, um, I usually have my dad help me pick out band members um, because he just has a knack for like knowing like this off the wall or like, you know, he'll be like, oh, no one's heard of this one dude, but he plays this really well. And like, you have to have him. And he always finds the most amazing players. So um, I would say the common thread over the years at the Kinder Chantel show is like the band is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I love to kind of have like a live arrangement of the songs. I'm not trying to sound just like the record. Yeah. The recorded version is what it is. I yeah. feel like a show should be a different experience. Yeah. So try to get really creative. I love that actually, because, you know, it's, there. there's so many, like I've been to so many music, uh, shows that sound exactly like the album and yeah. while that's well and good if I wanted to li just listen to the album I would have just listened to the album not paid a hundred dollars or whatever for the like depending on who I was going to see right. to go to the show you know it's just like uh, I, yeah so no, yeah, I, I, the album is already there they've, they've probably already heard that if they're coming to a show yeah so I'd love to try something different you know and <laughs> I also just think as far as vocals go, you know, I will never sing the same thing twice at a live show. Mm -hmm. um, I think it has to do so much with the energy that the crowd is like kind of invoking and the energy of the chemistry of the people on stage. And it's yep. like, you know, each song becomes a different thing and I'll sing it differently because I'm in a, an energy that I've not been in before. So I just love the magic of like live shows. It's like, do you still get out and do? Do you still get out and do uh, like solo acoustic shows? Like if you just have a random Tuesday night open or something? Um, I would in a normal season. In a normal season, not yeah. doing that right now, but yeah. um, but yes, that sounds like something that I will really love doing um, as soon as that's safe and available. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it it's just so hard to like say yes, I love doing this because we can't do it right now you know it's yeah I, I, I know that we'll all be so ready you know like I think before 
it was um, people might go to a show a week or something. But I think that we're going to have a really nice season where people will go to a show every night of the week available because they've all missed it as much as we've missed doing it. So yeah, absolutely. We'll get there. <laughs> absolutely. So um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because it is Saturday morning and I want to be respectful of your time. But since you're kind of in the process of starting to write again, what is your creative process? Are you more spontaneous with your writing or are you one of those musicians that, nope, I only have from five to seven tonight, let's sit down and write. You know, like, are you more um, disciplined in your writing, I guess? Yeah, I love this question. I ask this to most of my songwriter friends because it's fascinating how different we all are with the process. I am very like, just feeling based and idea based. Um, I don't like schedule a time with myself. I don't have a list of ideas. I know people that are just so wonderful at being really disciplined about it. Yeah. They have like collections of like lyrics and ideas and this, and I'm so not that way. I'm just like, oh, some words showed up with a melody. I have to deal with them right now. Yeah. Um, and I love that because I've found throughout the years, like if I wait for the inspiration to hit me personally, that's my best experience. Um, I will say like, I do a lot of co-writing too. And, um, I tend to go in the room without an idea and just like an open mind of like, what's going to hit us today. And I usually get inspired by like a conversation or something somebody says um, but I do think there's no wrong way to do it. Like I really admire the people that can be incredibly disciplined and like detail oriented about it. I'm just so not one of them. Um, words and show up together for me. I know a lot of people that will write lyrics and then figure out a melody. And I'm like, I never had a word show up that didn't tell me how it went. Like, <laughs> you know, like they just kind of show up with a little melody and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll serve that. Um, but yeah, and I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of journaling, mm -hmm. kind of like writing my feelings or kind of like what's going on in life. And I do feel like sometimes that will spur some ideas, but yeah. I, more than anything for me, the process is just kind of being open to what's showing up. Yeah. So it, it's fair to say that you have, you probably have a notebook somewhere with just random phrases or sentences that don't make sense in context. I have like 20 of those. <laughs> Everyone like in my family makes fun of me because I'm one of those people that if I see a cool notebook somewhere, I can't not buy it. And they're all like, have 30. And I'm like, I need more. <laughs> they're all full. Like, yeah. look at this. And it's all just blue pandas <laughs> and, you know, it just randomness in there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, no, that's really cool. Because like you brought up, it's always really interesting to see how people can kind of compartmentalize and work on their creative aspects. Like I've talked to some people that are just really disciplined. Usually it's people that have day jobs and they don't have the ability to be like more spontaneous. And it's like, okay, well, I work from this time to this time. And then when I get home from this time to this time, it's the kids, it's the homework, it's this, it's that. So from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., that's all I have, you know, so they have to be disciplined. And then there are just some people, they'll be riding down the highway and it's like, 
Ooh, blue Ferrari. That's I got a song. Yeah. <laughs> and so they have a voice memo, like their phone's full of voice memos that says, yeah. remember blue Ferrari, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. No, I have a ton of those and I get so embarrassed. Like if I hook my phone up to the Bluetooth of my car, yeah. sometimes it will randomly play my iTunes catalog, but also throw in these voice memos. <laughs> And it'll just be like the weirdest, like 30 second snippet of a song idea I got while I was sleeping at 3 a.m. or something. So it's like really bad singing. And it's like, you're like, and so I'm just like, oh my gosh, no one was supposed to hear that. You're like half, you're like half asleep. And it's just kind of like almost like sleep, sleep zombie. Kind I, of I do a lot of writing that way. I'll have a weird dream or just a thought. And I'll just like very groggily be like, yeah, this was a song idea. Okay, bye. But go back to bed. Nobody needs to hear those. <laughs> yeah. Um, did, was there any, was there any like specific example where an experience like that, something just random at midnight, ended up turning into a song, or does it usually um, just the kind song, of? Like, there's a song like, on my album that was one of those. Um, I, and I think it's so funny how dramatic this song turned out. It's called Places We Won't Go. And it's, um, it's kind of about like when you break up with somebody, it's, I was thinking of the Dr. Seuss quote of like, oh, the places you'll go. Yeah. For some reason, I was like on this Dr. Seuss kick before bed one night. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and was like, oh, the places you won't go. Like if you're breaking up with somebody, you're not going anywhere. It's like, uh, you know, you're never going to do any of those things again. And then I just kind of like started formulating this idea and I worked on it for like probably 30 minutes that night while I was really tired and it sounded just very dramatic and sad. And then when we produced it up, it has this like really cool disco vibe. I had all these fun vocal ideas in mind and it turned out to be such a cool song, but it started from a weird middle of the night idea. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, uh, so outside of music, what are some of your hobbies? What do you do outside of music? Um, I love yoga. Um, anybody who follows me on Instagram or any social media has probably seen me do a lot of yoga. Um, it's just become something that really quiets my very busy mind. And I love it because you can never like beat yoga. Like you show up with a different um, kind of capacity for balance each day, depending on how rested you are and all sorts of different factors. So like some days you really move through something easily and some days it's really hard. And the only common denominator is you have to like really be mentally present. And I love that. Um, I also love to hike. That's been something that has really served me well this year. It's just like getting outside and walking every day. Um, when I tour, that's my favorite thing to do is like wake up wherever I am and just start walking and like find a coffee shop, talk to a local and be like, where's a great hike here? And just kind of go see the place that I am. But yeah, I just love like being in nature and getting outside and um, doing yoga. <laughs> I can't say that I do yoga, but I do some of the poses in the morning just to kind of work out the night I call them night kinks like I'll wake up and my hip yeah. hurts or you know like whatever the pain is 
So I can't say I do yoga, but I use yoga poses to work out some of the, Yeah. I don't want to say aging kinks because I'm not that old, but you know, getting there. So, um, so yeah, that's really cool. Um, where can everybody find you online? Where can they find your music? You know, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so the easiest place is probably to follow me on Instagram. That handle is at Kendra Chantel. Um, there is a link tree in my bio that will send you to my Spotify and Apple Music page and my website, um, online store where you can get CDs and things like that. And um, Twitter is the same, at Kendra Chantel. Yeah, you can follow along those places. Awesome, awesome. And we're going to end this on one very important question. It is the holiday season. So what is your favorite holiday memory growing up? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I think my favorite holiday memory um, is going to be the one Christmas my sister and I spent in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom is originally from Saskatchewan and my dad's from East Tennessee and that's where we've lived most of our life. So we didn't get to see our Canadian family as much growing up. But there was one year when we were really little that we did Christmas up there. And it was like magical because there was, you know, seven feet of snow and it felt yeah. like we were actually at the North Pole. Um, I think we were convinced that that's where we were. And it was just so fun to experience that holiday with the family that we don't get to do as much with. So I think that's my favorite memory. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. That's yeah. You know, it, well, and just the experience of being outside of the U.S., I, like, I can only, I've never been to Canada, but seven feet of snow during Christmas is, <laughs> yeah, and that, that's kind of one of my big pet peeves about living in Texas is, yeah, we occasionally get snow, maybe, but it's never going to be enough to be like, oh, hey, it's going to be a white Christmas. No, it'll yeah. be a... It'll be a dusty Christmas is what we'll call it this year, you know. More often than not, I'm going out for a hike because it's like 60 or 70 degrees here on Christmas. So um, that was a fun change. Yeah, sweet. But uh, once again, for jumping on the podcast, I really, really appreciate it. I'm really excited to see what you got coming out next. You know, and I really enjoyed listening to the album. Um, can't wait to can't wait for shows to open back up you know it's just like I, I've met so many musicians like it's as weird it is as it is to say I've met so many musicians during this pandemic that I've never seen perform live and it's like I just can't wait to go to Nashville and see some of these musicians play live because it's like you know it's like I've met a hundred new musicians from Nashville and it's like sorry, I've never seen you perform live. So this will be like a new experience. So yeah, I, I'm just really excited to start seeing some live music again. And I'm glad it's happening on a smaller level, but hopefully soon it'll happen again. Fingers crossed. Yep. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice chatting with you. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Once again, thank you everybody for joining us and we will catch you guys later. Bye.